So here we are, and again, in Acts 6, we just read the first three verses, the reasons why in verse 1 there was murmuring uh, between people in, in, this, in, in, local, in this local assembly, this murmuring. And so you can see this right off the bat. Okay, What replaces prayer? Murmuring. You're always, the enemy's always going to give us something that we can complain about. And that's why the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2 and verse 14, do all things without murmuring and disputing. And the reason why he could say 2.14 was because he said in, in Philippians 2.12 and 13, he said, work out your own salvation. That involves prayer. Work out your, it's not just the time that you receive Christ as your Savior, it's your whole Christian life. But how is it to be worked out? If there's, if there's no communication with God, if there's not giving ourselves to him. So he said, work out your own salvation, your whole Christian life, with a reverence and a trembling. See, that's prayer. We know we're, we're on the right path to hear God when there's reverence and a trembling and awe of his word when it's being preached and when he brings it to us. For it is God, in 2.13 of Philippians, for it is God which works in you, <laughs> both to will. Can he work it in me, both to will, if my will's not submitted to him? Why don't we pray? Would that do away with a lot of groaning that would bring in worldly regret into the Christian and not a godly sorrow? And, and, you know, godly sorrow, truthfully, here, is an, is an, is an ama it's a, the amazing protection of God's love for us. It just is. It, it, it just is. It's what it is. So, with all of this, they said here in Acts, the sixth chapter, they said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Notice that? I don't even know how to pray. We don't even know how to pray till we give ourselves to God. And what would the enemy use, obviously, to keep us from giving ourselves to God? That would be the flesh, and that would be murmuring of, of some kind. So, work out your own salvation, your whole Christian life, with a reverence and a trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. <laughs> you see... There's a lot of pleasure that the enemy, and you can read you can read Hebrews, the 11th chapter. You can start like in verse 20 and go to 28, where it talks about Moses. He esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all those treasures or the pleasures of the flesh. So he did. And that's what would get in the way. What gets in the way for us praying? And men, men, and it says it right here. But we... We will give ourselves continually to prayer and then to the ministry of the Word. So I'll even know how to do it when I get God communicating to me as, a, as an individual. So then we turn to 1 Corinthians and, uh, and we see how this correlates. There's many other verses in prayer which we, about prayer which we won't go into this morning, but we can see this very clearly uh, up to here right now. And... We'll get into this word at a different time. But here we have, right here, here we have 1 Corinthians uh, 16. Now, 1 Corinthians 16. Now, when we talk about where this is located, this is located in the church of Corinth. And the church of Corinth 
It kept Paul from even going there as much as he desired. As much as he desired. Because when they were rejecting the things that he had taught them, they were actually rejecting God. They were separating him as a vessel of God, separating him and, and as a result, and they were gifted. They didn't come behind in any other local assembly. It was just a local assembly. But they were so busy with the flesh, so overwhelmed with it, that Paul couldn't even go there and have fellowship the way he desired to. He couldn't even do it. And so, but here, right in the midst of this, right in the midst of this, in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, this is what it says in verse 9. For a great door, a great door and effectual is open unto me. That's the preaching and teaching of the very person of Christ and his works, which we constantly need, constant reminding on. Constantly. We all do. So there's a great door and effectual. It's very effectual. It's a great door because it's Christ himself. We know that based upon very, very clearly in, he, in uh, John chapter 10, verses 7 and 9, he's the door. He's the door, <laughs> you know, that the sheep go in and out safely. He is the door himself. Also, he's the key in it. And to unlock that through the Holy Spirit, and that's Isaiah 22, verse 22. But here it says this, and there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries, meaning for us as believers in Christ, there are many adversaries in our flesh. (laughs) And all the enemy has to do is get me in an area of the flesh. And what does a little leaven do? Leaven's a whole lump. Galatians 5, 9, I mean, honestly, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, on and on it goes with that, with the teaching of leaven. Beware of the, uh, of the leaven of the, of the Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees in Luke 16, 1 and 2, and right around in there. So he says this in verse 10, Now if Timothy come, see that he may be with you without fear. Fear. For he works the work of the Lord as I also. Let no man therefore despise him, lightly esteem him, but conduct him forth in peace. Take care of him in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. That's what Paul is saying. Holy Spirit through him. Now, as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he will have a convenient time. This is very interesting. Not going to go into it, okay? Not going to go into it, but obviously I just think in this particular portion that his will hadn't been submitted yet because he wasn't experiencing the reality of what he should have done. Here's verse 13. This is what we're getting to. Watch you. Look that word up. Watch you. I want to go into that. Uh, some of these days coming up. Watch you. You watch. Okay. Now, how do I watch for myself? Should I do that first? How? Well, we'll see. Watch you. Stand fast, immovable in the faith. All those teachings. Quit you. Continue. Be immovable like men. Be strong. This is, this is strong here is literally, it is the proper sense of grace. 
strong because we know in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, in Joel 3, 10, let the weak say, I am strong. And Paul said, I'd rather be weak that the strength of, of and the strength and the sense of his grace may rest on me. <laughs> you know, you know what that is? You know what grace is for us? It's the door for the Holy Spirit to take the reality of who Christ is in me experientially to come in and fellowship and keep me safe. And then obviously he can use me as that safety for others. So watch you, stand fast in the faith, continue, continue like men, and then be strong. Let all your things be done with what? Some Again, some translations say charity. You can cross that right out because it's agape. It's self, listen to this, listen to this. It's self-sacrificial love. Listen, men, you're a proper leader. If you're a proper follower of Christ, who gave his life, you know that in John 15, 13, and 1 John 3 and verse 16, he laid his life down. And did he just do it once and that was it? it was his whole life was laying his life down for others. It's the only place we'll ever be free, by the way. Hmm, interesting. Let all your things be done with self-sacrificial love. In verse 15, he says, I beseech you, brethren, no the house of Stephanus. Know it. I want you to know it. I want you to know it. That is the first fruits of Achaia. And that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. You see, when we, through prayer and through giving ourselves constantly to him, we, it'll keep the bad addictions and the attachments and the things that cause us to groan like the world as a Christian, but functioning in the flesh, to groan just like the world. And there's constant regret, constant regret. But is that the proper Christian experience? Of course it's not, because Christ is. Christ is. So he said that instead of that, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Look at verse 16, that you submit yourselves unto such. (laughs) You think the flesh in us will do that for a second? No, because flesh is too involved with self. It just is. It's too involved with self. Too, too many plans, you know. <laughs> you know, here we are, you know, the men. We were going to have the men. And here we are. And again, it's loving conviction. But here we are. We're going to have this thing with men. And I'm thankful for the men that are here, right? And, I'm, and I still love and thankful for the ones that aren't and that probably should be, but we'll leave that to God, right? That you submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helps us, that's with us, laboring. <laughs> and I am glad of the coming of, of Stephanus and, and Fortunatus and, and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. I mean, honestly, that's why we say, listen, when you come, and you know when you're convicted or not at this point, because we're not babies anymore, or adults, men, and when you don't come, Do you have that that Christ has for you to glorify himself? And then do you become that joint that will supply in Ephesians 4 and verse 16? I want us to see this. Local assembly, Ephesians 4.11, some pastors and teachers, no more apostles, no more prophets in that sense. Nope. And again, the prophets there aren't Old Testament prophets, the New Testament. There's no Old Testament prophet ever knew this, and Paul makes it clear 
through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through him in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, that it was a mystery, something that hadn't been revealed just yet. But it was given to us. Oh, boy. The light and grace of that responsibility and that accountability that comes to us. That which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. So they did. And it's an amazing thing to see it. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints so that they could be a supply. A supply. You know what? They were, and we're, again, here's humility again. Let's bring in, and who does God give the sense of this grace to? Those that he has humbled in every area. And again, humility. We used to hear it like some particular man, like a few decades ago, came up with this. And I can tell you, when I started it, I read it from a guy who was saying in 1840, humility is not thinking too highly of myself. It's not thinking too lowly of myself, the self-life, the flesh. It's not thinking of myself at all. It's not. Then there's the freedom of the sense of grace. And in that sense that I have with Christ, it's others instantly. Because I, I lose myself in the sense of his grace. And in that sense, it's where his love flows. And I lose myself. And it's no longer me, my plans, whatever I do, and it's never, and this is why I say it again, natural family, be very careful to not have your separate plans from the local assembly. There's an order, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you for, you, for the good, there is an order, and, you, and, and it can happen in a millisecond. You can, literally, it happens in, in a millisecond. It's, listen, it's, it is, in, in this sense, it's a local assembly. The reality of that, okay, that's local, and, and Ephesus was local, but it was a cyclical let, letter that was given around, but it was definitely preached in Ephesus, regardless of what some so-called scholars would even tell you. But it was no question about it, and they'll leave out Ephesus, when in the original it's clearly there, but it was taught there. And it's kind of interesting how that all these truths were taught there and how finally in church history, the first church, local assembly, that's addressed of those seven Asiatic churches, which in principle speaks about what's going on even to our day. He said, you left your first love. I, he, I said, I have all these things about you that are good, but I have this, and somewhat is not in the original. I have this strongly against you. You left your first love. Why? You left your sense of grace. Why? Because it became something about you, the flesh. Now you groan, and the enemy gets you to groan, and then he offers you something to take care of the groaning. And what were those things? You know, what were those things? All those things that before, you know, like the little doggy in Proverbs 26, 11, puked up. If I'm not going forward, what do I do? I go right back to that puke pile again. Or in 1 Samuel 2, 8, the pile of dung. And again in Philippians 3 and verse 8, dung. A anything outside of Christ, the sense of his grace and his love, is just dung. It just is. Those are the scriptures. Those are the scriptures. Very, very clearly. And so here it says this. It says this, that... 
in verse 18, for they, they, they are a supply that you don't have. And the enemy's going to convince you, you need to do these things. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> they are your supply. Others are your supply. And Paul is saying, in effect, what he's saying is when you do that with them, it affects me. That's what he's saying here. He said, for they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Isn't that interesting? Therefore, acknowledge you them that are such. Don't get familiar with them. Don't take them for granted. Same old thing. Same old thing. Well, that's not enough. We've got to go and do other things. We've got to get a thrill. <laughs> oh, Lord. Lord, teach us the value of time and how little it is and that for just a little while we have this truth given to us. And then now is the time to take it. That's John 12, verse 35 and 36. A little while is the light with you. Walk in the light while you have the light that you may be children of the light. That's proper image. Lest darkness come upon you and you stumble and don't even know where you're walking. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge them that are such. Listen, the church, okay, the church. Who is the church a building again? Is the church a building? Never. Who are we? We are the church. The word church is synonymous with the word body. The body is synonymous with the word bride. That's who we are in the dispensation of grace, and it's called the church age, right? The church of Asia, and it's not even plural. It's one. They're in local assemblies, but it's one, Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, made up of individuals in 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. The church of Asia salutes you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord. Listen to what it says. With the church that is in their house. Interesting. So where we meet is what? As far as God is concerned, if we're going to meet God there, what does it make that place? It makes it sacred. We never get familiar with it, ever. As a matter of fact, we are so prepared in our own believer priesthood, privacy with Christ, that we come prepared. We don't come to be prepared. It's like what we said before. Listen, if you put the armor on in the middle of the battle, it's too late. Read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It's too late. It's too late. You've got to come prepared. What is our conversation before we even leave our homes. Oh my God. Have we communed with him? Have we given ourselves to prayer? Have we? Right? With the church that is in your house. Right? All the brethren greet you. Greet you one another with a holy kiss. And of course, that kiss, as we've been taught through the word of God, you see it in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That means he will supply me with a sense of grace when, he, when I'm humbled, and then I will kiss. And when you kiss, a physical kiss, there's no air that can pass between you. It's a vacuum. You keep all that, uh, that is out with this nearness and intimacy of a relationship with Christ in your own believer priesthood. Did you know that's what we had? Honestly, that's why God has given us this beautiful truth about, you know, even in these booklets, 
that is called a must. And then a must, which is a must, that's foundational truth, then you get into the entrance of the calling. You get into that. Personally and privately. And then you come together. And you're never separated. And you greet one another with a holy kiss. And of course, that's, that's the will being submitted to him through the sense of grace. And that's where his love flows. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 8, he said, I will, is this Paul's will or the Holy Spirit through Paul's will being submitted to him so he can be a proper messenger? I will therefore that men pray where? Everywhere. (laughs) Use every opportunity, if you have it, to pray. And you know what prayer does? You know, what giving ourselves to prayer does when we give ourselves to him? You know what it does? It does away with all irritation. We've said before, and we'll say it again, there's no irritation in the sense of grace. There's no irritation in grace and truth that is Christ experientially. It's none. And if there's no irritation in grace, and there isn't, because obviously his love wouldn't be flowing there if it was. Love can't flow when there's irritation in the place of the sense of grace. Now, all that will be is suspicion. Why does he want us to come? Why does it, why, what is all that, you, you, you listen, you're not being suspicious of one another, you're not being suspicious of me, you're being suspicious of God and his word. Where are the men today? Where are the men? Where are they this morning? Listen, if God called men to pray, and does he have us together? Listen, we may be 1,750 miles away from Texas, but you can't tell me he hasn't established a oneness here. Let's just, let's just do away with that right now. He's done a great work in all of us together, but he's done that. He has established it. The establishment that he does, obviously, in Hebrews 13 and verse 9, is the heart being established by grace. The heart, the mind and emotions with a sense of grace. I will therefore that men, it's the Greek word masculine, and yeah, it's men, pray everywhere, lifting up what kind of hands? Holy hands. Holy hands. And do I have, do I function in the holiness of the life that Christ has made mine when I'm in the flesh? Am I holy experientially then? No. No. And we're growing in that. And holiness is hagios and hagiou and all those Greek words to be constantly set apart. And we are positionally, we have been set apart from the old, set into the new who in Christ and who he is in us. But then there's a progressive growth in that. And God has to constantly separate the soul from the spirit. Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's go there. Hey, let's do this. I can't, I can't afford to do this thing. But boy, I'll tell you, when it comes to this thing, ain't no holding that back. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Every excuse the enemy will give the believer. Every single excuse. That's why I'm thankful, Mike, and I I do want to make this clear with you. I, I am thankful for you because I know that you don't even have a regular job coming in, but you still give faithfully. That's a that's love. Honestly, it is. And there's self-sacrifice in that, isn't there? You have to if you're gonna do it for God. And paying for a whole trip. 
when honestly I believe others, you know, and again, this is God and he leads people and I understand finances and all this other stuff. But, you know, to be, to be quite honest with you, I'm very thankful for that. And I want to make that known. I appreciate that. Because it's esteeming others better than yourself. Because you have the mind of Christ. That's Philippians 2, 3, 4, and 5. I want to make that crystal clear. Man alive. God help us. God help us all in this area. Help me and all of us. I will therefore. Whose will is this? It's God's will. Where was it fulfilled? In Christ. I will therefore that men pray everywhere. No, because to do that, you have to give yourself. You can't hold back your time. I don't care what it is. You, can't, you don't hold back. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up what kind of hands? Holy hands. Do I have holy hands when it's my plans? That's myself. Holy hands without what? Wrath. Now, if there's no wrath for us in John 3, verse 36, and 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, because Christ dealt with that. But where would I experience wrath that would be wrong? Well, Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. <laughs> there's no fleshly will involved. This wrath keeps me from lifting up holy hands. That simply means I don't identify myself and who I truly am in Christ. Okay? And then the enemy does it, and then sooner or later, if you're his, if you're truly his, you're going to groan. You're going to groan. There's going to be groaning. And there's, there's going to be pain and suffering and groaning. But there's, there is a godly groaning and a godly suffering without regret. But there's also... One that's not. One that's not whatsoever. And it's who, it's not what. And you may think it's what you give your will over to. And you may think it's the addiction that's attached itself to you. But really it's the enemy taking you or taking me in any area. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 26, he has captured my will. My will gets captured if it's not given to Christ in every single area. I get captured. That's why it says, and again especially for young ones. In 1 John 2, verse 15, love not the world. Listen, folks, neither the things that are in the world can the enemy use the blessings that God has given us, and we better make sure he's the one that did it, and he wouldn't do it outside a local assembly, by the way. He just wouldn't. Neither the things that are in the world. Oh, Lord, help us. Right? Without wrath, and what? Without what? Doubting. 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 Is this groaning right? Well, if I don't know the difference and the enemy mixes the two, then boy, do I get in trouble. You know? And again, we said this, and we're going to have to do this, and I don't know, we can call it a series. I don't know what you want to call it, but there's so much involved with this. It's so much. Again, there's so much that's, that's incredible. But not until my will is submitted to him in each area, okay? Then I can't go forward. The only place I do is go back. 
And when I go back there, I got to do something about it. Because Christ isn't enough. Yeah? I gotta, it's the job. It's going here. It's going there. It's going everywhere. And it's doing it all separate from local assembly, by the way. Did you know that? No, people say, well, well, yeah, well, yeah. No, you mean to tell me God doesn't lead me? Lead me individually? Sure he does, but where do you get that individuality? It's from local assembly. That's Christ now, who's the head of that particular local assembly, like he's the head of the whole body. Like he's the head of the whole, whole body itself. And so we see this. But when I don't function, sooner or later, when I'm not functioning with my will submitted, okay, then I begin to groan, and the groaning is not the result of, you know, again, Ephesians 4, verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not your wrath go down. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Notice that? That means, listen, <laughs> deal with things quickly. Deal with things. Again, this is why I teach this. I teach it as I'm being taught by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. If you, in any area, have an issue with another believer, you don't valve it or vocalize it to another. No matter how close you think you are to that individual. If you don't go to God first, that means you give yourself to prayer, then he will give you proper communication to that person. That goes into Galatians, the sixth chapter, in verses one through four. You can see that. We don't have time to go into the, the details of that, but if you read those and that correlation, you'll see it. We don't, <laughs> in a local assembly, you have an issue with another believer, you go to God alone. Listen to me. That's who you go to. Period. Period. Then you go to that individual alone or you don't go. Or it doesn't come out. It doesn't come out of here. Because if you do, and I do, if I did, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What would make it corrupt? But that which is used to the, to the use of what? Grace. The sense of grace. And lean not. And then what? Lean not to your own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5. That's what you do. So let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? What does it say? Huh? Edifying. edifying. And how are we edified? How's the only way God can love us? It's through grace, the sense of grace. And grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not. You know why it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit with which you're sealed into the day of redemption? Because it's the Holy Spirit, the only one through proper preaching and teaching in proper order, who can take the things of Christ and show them unto you. And show them unto me. So the enemy does everything he can, obviously, and gives us every excuse under the sun. Each member in the body, in their own particular place, okay, are precious. Okay? In God's eyes, we're all precious. We're all precious treasures. There's no question about that, right? And what makes us that, what makes us that, is we have this like precious faith. And in that, we don't compare. We don't make this person our favorite. <laughs> because then all you're doing, what are you, what are you doing? You're cutting off Christ from functioning in the other members of the body. No question about it. 
They're like precious faith. And by the way, if an individual's a precious and a treasure, you know it's Christ, don't you? In 2 Corinthians 4, 7. You know that that's what it is, right? But what happens to us is what we said recently. Uh, Luke 21, verse 19. Remember the man that had that one talent? And he went and he covered it, put it in a napkin and buried it. You know why he did that? Because he thought God was hard. You know who was really hard? Remember? Read Psalm 95. Harden not your hearts. I think it's six and seven around in there. Harden not your heart. When you don't, and I don't, follow in God's order, especially in dealing with each other, in dealing with each other, the enemy uses that to harden our hearts. And you're not hardening it, you're not hardening it against that person that you may have an issue with. Your heart, the enemy has that. And it's blinding you through hardness from the Holy Spirit taking the things that are Christ to you as an individual through the sense of grace which we lack in the flesh because God does not give us grace to live in sin and that's the flesh in Romans 6.1 and Romans 6.15. God forbid that I should do evil that good may abound in Romans 3 and verse 8. Listen, listen, we're here in this local assembly. We should have plans together as men. Jeez. What are we busy with? Why are we here? Did we think, yeah, we're here to be taught, but to be taught what? what? What does that teaching lend us to and bring us to? To be a joint that supplies. For what? The local assembly where you are. There's nothing private plans. Show me that in the Bible. Show it to me if you can. That's why I always say, honestly, listen, anyone. It, honestly, if anyone ever has an issue, and I could, through my own ignorance or failure or growth, I can fail, but you know what? Just, if you have an issue, you come to me. You don't, listen, you do. You do, I don't care. You, it doesn't go anywhere else. If you don't believe, again, Matthew 18, 15 to 18. But even so much more for us that are in Christ, okay? So much more. It'll keep out so much. To keep out so much hardening, right? That's why Job said in Job 23 and verse 16, the Almighty troubles me. You're going to blame the person for the trouble? No, the Almighty troubles me. He makes my what? My, my heart here soft or here? This thing. <laughs> he makes my mind he, he, soft. Why? So that the entrance of the word can give light in Psalm 119, 130. It gives understanding. To those that are humbled. And to those that are humbled, 1 Peter 5, 6, James 4, verse 6, and verse 10, is he gives the sense of grace where his love flows. You don't cut yourself off from the body. God. But still, you know what it's down to, and Jesus even said it in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name. When they're gathered together. That's not private plans, folks. I mean, everything we do is in this local assembly. Is, is that clear? I mean, it really is. Through the scriptures. Well, can't God lead me? Yeah, and how does he lead? If you don't know and you don't have the skills, what is God's order to do that? Is that local assembly? Yeah. 
Oh, it most surely is. And some would even, if they don't want others, and they, they, they choose who they want to hear and who they don't want to hear, and all, always based upon the flesh. Never, never upon God's choosing, by the way. Never. Never. Yeah. But, you, but God does the choosing. He does. The whole principle is God does the choosing. He does. The enemy wants to harden our heart so that we don't abide and don't keep in the sense of God's grace. And in that sense, we are experientially, we become experientially conscious that we are not under the law, but under grace. That's right, that's right. You see that in Romans 6, 14, Romans 8, 14, on and on it goes. Listen, very clearly, we are not under the law. What's the law? Well, we're not only under the law of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 23 to 17, and it's not only that, with those 613 statutes and ordinances that are apart and attached to that, and if you offend it in one point in James 2.10, you're guilty of all, and if you have guilt experientially, there's going to be groaning, which, we, which is not our place in Christ, right? It's not. But the law there is, is Romans 8, there's one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. For the law in 8.2 of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the sense of grace through his love that's accomplished all this experientially, for the law of the spirit of God, of the Son of God, is what? Is made me free from what? The law of sin and death. This is the law that it's talking about. It keeps me from being under the law of sin and death. just keeps me under it. No, but under grace. Because it's only by grace that my heart, my mind, and my become established. And that establishment, again, is very foundational. That's why we teach foundational positional truth. And been doing by the grace of God as I learn and grow with everyone. But as one that God has raised up by his pure grace, like we all know and continue to need to know. And if we soon forget it, he'll be faithful to remind us constantly, like he had to do even to the Apostle Paul, when he still had to chain him to a Roman guard at the end of his life, to reestablish and refocus and renew his mind in Ephesians 4 and verse 23. That it's all Christ. He needed to constantly be reminded of that. He needed the thorn in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Because that thorn will bring in right groaning. Right groaning. We need these thorns to be reminded because he did too. Because he, we're no different than him. When we don't function in the law of the spirit of life that's made me free from the law of sin and death, we only function in the law of sin and death. And we groan, and then we'll mix that groaning with proper groaning. Godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10. And the enemy does everything he can to mix it up. He wants to mix us up. That's the confusion in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. I'll tell you another reason why we groan and what we all have to be careful of, and I mean especially me and especially leaders, is to, is to not bring in the familiarity of the flesh into the local assembly, especially in relationship with men. You know, laugh, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. Not good. It's not good in me. I'm dis this is my conviction. It's not good at all. Because familiarity, again, in Ecclesiastes 10, verse 1, there's flies in the ointment. 
a little folly, a little foolishness of the flesh. It's like a fly, and you know what a fly feeds on, death, and you know what else, dung. And it gets into the apothecary. There's the enemy mixing it, tries to mix the flesh to do away with that that's medicine and the only thing that will heal us. And when we're not healed experientially, even though we are positionally, what do we do? We groan. We groan. And then what do we have? And if it's not Christ who is our supply, what do we do? We have to do something about it. We gotta have a thrill. Hey, let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. I don't know. Let me ask you, does that have to do with the body? I'm just asking. Does it have to do with the body of Christ? Has God called us the local assemblies? Does he have one plan for a local assembly or many different plans that scatter them? So important. So very important. But here, the moment, the very moment, right? Because it's only, it's, we only stand in grace. That's our position. But what's my state or my condition without submission? I lose the sense of grace instantly. It's the law of sin and death, instantly. Now the flesh is in us, we've said, and God has taught us so many times in Romans 8, verse 9, flesh is in us, but we're not of it. Again, the importance of the word in and of. The flesh is in us, we are not of it. But if I am not through submission, through proper preaching and teaching in a specific local assembly, then what will I be involved with? The flesh. The flesh. We stand in grace. We said this recently in Romans 5, 1 and 2. We're standing in it. That's our standing. It is only, only as we walk in the power and consciousness of it that we function in a proper cleansed conscience. Otherwise, when my conscience experientially is not the equal of my position, Christ, who I am in my proper image, then is it, does it become defiled? In Titus 1 and verse 15, no longer pure. You know, the purity of the word, the purity of, of being in a local assembly in a joint that supplies, that's not so pure anymore. We got to do other things. You know why I'm just being honest again? Because men, because we don't pray. We don't give ourselves the prayer. So we have our own plans, and then we ask God to bless them. Just want to make it clear in the, in the Bible. Again, if you have a question, please come to me. I'd be more than happy, to, and seriously, more than happy uh, to, to bring the truth of the Scriptures. See? So it's the grace of God that we, we stand, and, and, and only as we submit our will to Christ, who is that power and the power of the Holy Spirit, to what? Con to be conscious of it. Because it's only in the presence of God that we can know it. Did, you hear, did we hear that one? It's only in the presence of God that we can actually experience the reality of who he's made us to be. That's, all, that's the only way for any of us. And there, it is our privilege to be. We're privileged. We can take for granted those privileges. We can take it. Listen, yes, yes. Did God call you here to be loved? Yes. Did, call, did God call you here to be taught? Yes. But is any of that separated from where he called you, the local assembly, and if you don't function in the proper place where he's placed you, then what do you experience? It's as simple as that. And by the way, he didn't leave it up to us 
to define what loving us meant. Never. And if you don't know that, through not having proper preaching and teaching, through submitting and taking your place in that local assembly, it'll all, the issue will always be you. The flesh, always. And will the enemy always give my flesh and your flesh every excuse to live in the flesh and continue there? You know, not forgiving. I mean, when I confess... When I confess my sin, living in the flesh, when I confess it, does it take God time to forgive me? Or is it instant? When someone offends me and I go to them alone because I went to God first, I didn't go to my closest buddy. Mm. Well, my closest honey. Bless her with that, you know. Honey, let me borrow your ear so I can throw up in it because I love you. Because <laughs> I violated God's order. Well, and any of us can do that in the flesh. And, and if we're breathing, we probably have done that. I probably, not probably. <laughs> right? But the moment we get away from the presence of God, instantly our own thoughts start working. And there's where all our own plans come from. Yeah. Where are the men? Where's the prayer? I don't know. Does God want to do a work in and through us? Yeah. And does he want to establish a work here? Yeah. How's he going to do that when we got our own plans? Going everywhere, doing here, going there, doing this. And hey, it's all right. Yeah. All right. I know God does all things decently and in order. He does. What? I don't... 1 Corinthians 14, 40. God does all things decently and in order. What is his order? Solical assembly. Yes. Period. We can't all meet in one place. So there's local assemblies. There just is. There just is. The moment we get away from the presence of God, our own thoughts start working. And our own thoughts... And the enemy knows us, can never reach up to God's thoughts about us. And he convinces us that somehow in 1 Peter 5.10 that he's not the God of all grace. Truthfully, when it's all, you strip down blaming everybody else in every circumstance and situation. If you're the dot and God's a circle, you blame God. That's right. You blame God. You do. And I would. But thank God he sees us in this grace. He never, listen, he, does, he never removes his eye from the righteousness that we are in Christ. He's just got to get our eyes refocused. Does. He does. There's so much here that we need to, and I, I, don't, think, I don't think we could cover this in months. <laughs> I just don't. Because it's so huge and so valuable. There's such value in this, Right? But no reasoning, and that's why reasoning, when we say this, is 2 Corinthians, again, let me say it, there's no reasoning of our own minds and emotions that will ever reach up to the grace of God until he humbles us. Now we have a proper sense of grace. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are what? They do have anything to do with us? So if you've got a problem, why would you go to another believer and not God? Uh, well, because you want something in their flesh to comfort you and yours. Or mine. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Imaginations, reasonings. Casting down imaginations. I imagine that I have the right to do this. Casting down imaginations in every high thing, hoopsima, in the, in the demonic atmosphere, that exalts itself through my self-life in the flesh against the very knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? Towards a believer in the sense of grace where his love flows. To know the love of God that passes knowledge. In Ephesians 3 and verse 19. Ephesians 3 verse 19. <laughs> yeah. Some started out with us here and boy, when it was known that they, they weren't going to have their part in it, I don't hear them or see them anymore. It's kind of interesting. God has a way of keeping it pure. And all of us, I mean that too. And those that refuse it, refuse God's way, you know, because they have a portion to give and they want to give it to others instead of, you know, finding their proper place. Usually it's someone that doesn't even have a local assembly. You know, they're church hoppers, they think. Yeah. Because they know and they want to give. <laughs> well, that can be any of us in the flesh. But you know what? It is impossible. It is impossible for us. For us. Is God for us? Romans 8, 31. Yeah. Is God for us in Psalm 56, verse 9? When my enemies come against me, I cry out to God when my enemies come against me. Why? Because this I know. Who's he crying out to? His best friend? The one that's closest to him? No. But when I cry out to God, this I know. God is for me. Isn't that interesting? We need to have our hearts fixed. The, 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 how he fixes us, and that Hebrew word in, in uh, Psalm 57, verse 7, in Psalm 108, verse 1, fixed means, okay, fixed means prepared. We have no preparation without the sense of grace. We have none without being humbled. And that's the thing the flesh doesn't want. In every area, the enemy will give an excuse why we don't have to continue in obedience. Well, I don't want to do this because I feel like I don't have enough, but I sure as heck will do all this other stuff. Yeah, I know. And, and you know, we're, we're supposed to be blind to that, right? I'm supposed to, you know, like, oh, is that judgment? No. Nope. It's observation. And that observation should lead me, personally, when I see that, to give myself to prayer, to protect me from judging them and to protect them from being judged by me. But you mean I shouldn't teach it? The biggest problem, oh my God. The enemy won't, will tell us, you don't have to hold back a thing in your flesh. You need to take, the enemy convinces us we need to take care of our flesh first. Then we'll obey God. Then we'll do what we should. And then we think he's going to give us grace to do that. God. Yeah, here's a few scraps. Yay. Okay. Amen. And I'm talking time too, by the way. You may think I'm talking about other things. But if God doesn't have my time, he ain't going to have anything else. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of a stronghold. 
habits that were fixed in in the flesh. And they, listen, they cause us to groan, but we'll still go back to them. Still. Still, that's the attachment. That thing that becomes attached to me and I become addicted to that instead of addicted to the saints. We read it, remember? 1 Corinthians 16 all the way down through. We saw it, right? 15, 16, 17, 18, right? 19, know them. Get to know them. Get to know them. I don't know, what would you hold back from the greatest treasure that you could ever get? Because all these material things, folks, you, they're going to burn up. We're going to leave them behind. I've never seen a Christian take any of his material things, any of his wealth with him to heaven. Ever. Never took it. He didn't take it. Well, <laughs> listen, no reasoning of our minds and our emotions could ever reach up to the grace of God for the simple reason. Here's the simple reason. is that in order, notice that in order, in order, in order, as we close this morning, to be such, to be, for it to be that way, it must flow directly and freely from God through grace. Through grace. What I had. And what I had, the smallest possible right to expect from God. Do I have a right to expect from God? Do I? In the flesh? <laughs> no, thank God. And we're not in the flesh is in us, but we're not of it, see? And this is what God wants to separate because he loves us. He wants to separate the two because he's lo he loves us. And, and so everything is pure, free grace. It's the grace of God who's the God of all grace. Have we tasted that he's gracious? Have we? Should we continue tasting him or get a taste for other things? Get a taste for other things. It's very natural. And this is why I say be very careful of the natural because you go right into it in a millisecond. In a millisecond. Don't spend too much time away from the body because that's the place where the enemy will work on the natural. Let your plan be addicted to the saints, the local assembly. Don't exclude. Do it all together. Why? Because it's quite natural, it is natural, for our own thoughts to work as soon as we leave the presence of God. That's right. In a heartbeat. And the moment that we do, it doesn't matter if it's about our sins or about the grace of God or anything else that we are occupied with other than Christ in Luke 19, 13, we lose the sense of grace and we can no longer reckon upon it. When I lose the sense of it, I don't reckon on it. The enemy will give me something to take its place. Father, thank you for your grace and your love for us. You love us. And this is loving counsel. And thank you, Father, that you do love us. And thank you that you've called us and given us a local assembly where we can be taught, where we can. Thank you, Lord, that you're so available to us. You're always waiting to be gracious. And, oh, God, I don't want to cause you to wait any longer. The waiting, if we cause him to wait, oh boy, I don't know, that just seems so wasteful for me. God can use it to teach us. He can. He can use it to teach us. But that, but that I don't experience it that way. He, chastening, 
Okay, I don't experience grace, even though it's grace that chastens me, but it's to bring me back into a proper place so that my sense now is grace and not myself and not whatever I hold against anybody else. And thank you in Psalm 119, 165, we have great peace because it's Christ in Ephesians 2, 14. Great peace have they that love your law, the law of loving, the law of loving in John 13, 34 and 35, and nothing will cause them to stumble. There will be no excuse to cause us to to stumble or be scandalized. Father, thank you for your pure, free grace. In Jesus' name, amen.